0: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn.
1: And I'm Aaron McMahon.
0: Thanks to a dominant second half, Michigan won at Indiana on Saturday. It sets up a top 10 matchup between unbeatens in Ann Arbor this week when Penn State visits the big house. We look back at the important moments from last game. Peek ahead to the next one coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Hey Aaron, good to be talking with you here Monday morning, October 10th. Uh, how, how was your weekend in bloomington uh it was good uh i
1: use always an interesting trip because there's one way in and one way out from indianapolis one road basically mm-hmm. and there always seems to be construction on that road like i feel like i've made the trip like four times now and every time there's like the construction just moves further down the road uh but sometimes it's gonna be a pain in the butt to get in but it was fine i use a fun place it's a it's a unique um like unique part of the big 10 uh but it's always it's always it's always a fun trip
0: you have uh I haven't commented on my attire. I always, uh, perhaps you're being merciful, or just didn't notice. I don't know. I always, I always do try to wear some Mets gear the day after the season ends. You know, you're kind of in mourning or whatever. But we, again, this isn't Mets confidential. But just disheartening end to the season that had so much promise. I was trying to be nice, but yeah, the fact that they won
1: didn't they win 100
0: games, 101, whatever, 101 it was? tied for first for the division, but lost the tiebreaker.
1: Yeah, lose the division race and then go out in the first round of the play on the wild card round. Uh, not, not good. I, I can't imagine folks, well, at least Mets fans in New York, are,
0: aren't, aren't too happy. We're not, but Michigan football, they are undefeated. But, but let's start with really the most important thing because it was, it was bigger than football. Uh, it was Mike Hart collapsing on the sideline. Uh, you know, watching on TV, you knew someone had gone down. Um, I think, I think at one point on the broadcast, they say, oh, it's a staff member, it's a coach, but they didn't know who. And, and it's just, it was a scary thing um, to see, you know, then Mike Hart, you know, face and he gets taken off on a stretcher. Eventually, we learned, you know, he had a had a seizure and, and stayed overnight in the hospital. We'll have uh, more updates uh, after we talked to Jim Harbaugh this afternoon in Ann Arbor. But um, yeah, what was it like being there? What was kind of the, the reaction in the stadium?
1: yeah it was it was eerie uh it was quiet uh like you we didn't really know what who it was at the very beginning just because the way it kind of happened it came mm-hmm. after indiana's first touchdown and it kind of in between the commercial breaks and that you're not necessarily staring at the michigan sideline next thing you know you, you see someone running across the field to, to get to get a cart get a stretcher whatever the case may be and then at that point michigan had kind of Circled Mike Hart on the, on the sidelines, so you couldn't really tell at the beginning who it was. Uh, the radio broadcasts, the folks were saying they thought it was a staffer, uh, but we legit, legitimately, at least from the press box, couldn't see. Uh, so, like like many folks, you know, watching on TV, you know, didn't get a good glimpse, and you really didn't know until it was, until you saw Mike being taken across the, the field. But yeah, it was quiet Memorial Stadium, real eerie. Um, you know, Mike's a guy who is, as we've you know written about before. I mean, he he coached on the Indiana staff, so some of those diehard mm-hmm. IU fans. Are aware of who he is? Um, you know, they obviously he was well liked. Um, so it's it's one of those situations where I think the the situation was bigger than football. And I think folks realized that pretty quickly. Um, you know, players from both from both teams or kind, they kind of took a knee immediately. They they kind of had an idea of what was going on. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a weird, eerie situation, something you, you don't see every day. And in fact, you know, Jim Harbaugh was asked after the game if if he had any experience to kind of draw upon to to deal with that situation, and he had neither. So uh just just an odd weird situation um you know you hope mike's doing okay uh, we haven't gotten an update yet he was uh, last we were told at least jim harbaugh told us saturday after the game that he was staying overnight in bloomington in the hospital for for further observation um, i'm not a doctor so i, I don't i don't want to pretend to know anything um but I, so i don't know how long you, you typically stay uh, but we do anticipate getting an update from jim and, and the michigan staff here uh, monday afternoon and we'll have, we'll have obviously updates afterwards at mlive.com slash wolverines
0: yeah. Like, like you said, before coming, you know, returning to his alma mater last year before last season, uh, you know, he was on the Indiana staff for four years. So those coaches know him very well. Uh, he happened to be one of the two assistant coaches, uh, that was, that we spoke to, uh, this week leading up to the game. Um, you know, I wrote about him and his relationship in particular with Blake Corum and these other running backs. And, um, you know, you saw that watching on TV, you, you, you saw the emotion, uh, out of the running backs in particular. Um, you know uh in that moment but uh so you know hoping hoping for the best for for my cart uh as, as for the game I, Aaron what did you make of the first half because uh much like many games this season including uh, we discussed the the Iowa game the week before Michigan's first drive was was a masterpiece this one was uh you know a masterpiece that was uh, completed much more quickly than the Iowa one um you get a 16 yard completion on the first play uh, two more passes uh, move the chains and then uh, play. Quorum breaks off a, a fifty-yarder, which I thought I thought was a touchdown. Like I was watching with my my brother and his family, and you know, he, he he's thinking that you know I'm an expert on Michigan football, given my job, and then I'm saying how uh, we did, we couldn't really hear very well. You know, kids running around, and I'm thinking that Quorum scored on the on the long run. It sure looked like he did. I never really saw a replay that proved he didn't, but whatever. And that Michigan is going for two. And I knew that they didn't have their, their snapper. And I'm like, oh, maybe they're not confident in the kicking game. They're going for two. And then I realized, oh, no, they're, they're actually going for the touchdown because Corum was ruled down. He's like, all right, this guy knows, knows nothing about football. But, uh, yeah, either way, you, you know, huge run. They score the touchdown. Um, they force a three and out. And you, you just think, oh, this is, this is just going to be a, a blowout. But it was anything but smooth sailing uh, to halftime for Michigan.
1: Yeah, you wonder if the, the Mike Hart situation played a factor. Michigan looked largely out of sync and kind of stepped behind again in you know, the first half. And it, it all kind of started after Mike went down. Now, the players and the coaches probably aren't, aren't going to say it, but I, I do think they were distracted to some degree. Yeah. I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, there were some folks on, on that Michigan sideline that are very close to Mike, very attached to him. And you see, whether it's your coach or your your you know your mentee or your your you know your whatever the case may be, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. You, you wonder about them, uh, you know, you're concerned and in, in a way it's a distraction, you know, it, it is what it is. And I, I think that was very much the case in the first half, um, Michigan, I think went into the halftime, um, realizing that I, I think that it sounded like Mich- Jim Harbaugh and the coaching staff had talked to Mike or gotten some type of communication from Mike's family at halftime that he was doing okay. And he was conscious, uh, and I think that helps um, you know, spin the wheel, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, Michigan struggled. They looked good, obviously, at the beginning struggled after that. Um, I think they had a tough time adjusting at least early to, to the Indiana uptempo offense. Um, you know, it's something they really hadn't seen all year. I, I think some of their non-conference opponents tried doing that. They obviously weren't successful. I think the talent level was significantly different. But yeah, Michigan struggled out of the gate. I think a big part of it was uh, the Mike Hart situation, distraction, whatever the situation Um, and unfortunately for Michigan, it didn't help themselves with the, the voters and AP poll because they fall, um, one spot, uh, down after the, after the win. And I think folks, they saw that first half and saw Michigan tied 10, 10 and thought, "Whoa, what's going on here. But I I think once you peel back the layers a little bit, I I do think the Mike Hart situation played a significant factor there.
0: I'm going to get to the AP poll later in this podcast for sure. We'll return to that. But yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I think, you know, the, the. Officiating of this game didn't help Michigan. I'm not saying it was bad. I'll, I'll say some of the calls were questionable, but I guess I what I mean by that more so is just uh, they were they were flagged. I mean they were flagged ten times uh, when all was said and done. Uh, I think five in each half, um, and that um, that doesn't even count. There there really were more. There's a couple of plays there were two, and only one was you know assessed, um, and they were they were key plays, um, kind of much like against Iowa when it was Iowa picking up. Uh, flags that were negating big plays or, or assisting Michigan. This was, this was the opposite for, for Michigan on, on Saturday, you know, long, long pass third down and long and, and Michigan thinks they're getting off the field and Oh wait, there's a flag for pass interference or, or, or whatnot. Um, you know, so, uh, a taunting penalty. That was the one that really, um, was questionable to me. I think they need to decide whether that gesture is is banned or not. Uh, I'm glad you brought
1: that up because the, the players and, and Jim Harbaugh were asked about that after the game. In fact, I asked J.J. Uh, uh, McCarthy and Ronnie Bell about the, the penalties because Michigan came into the game Saturday as one of the least, I think, the mm-hmm. least penalized team in the country, averaging something like three and a half per game or a little under than that. They penalized 10 times on Saturday, and I asked, and, and Ronnie Bell kind of gave me a smirk and a sly response, like, come on, like, you know what was going on. So they mm-hmm. they clearly, I think, were frustrated by the officiating. Um, you know, I, I think Jim and, and the players, you know, we talked to Jalen Harrell, who was who was flagged for that taunting penalty. And it, it sounded like Jim and, and the players thought that the, the referees uh, took that the wrong way. It wasn't the gesture maybe they thought he was making, because I think they thought okay. he was doing like a throat slash. OK, yep. Jalen Jalen Harrell kind of explained it. it was no, it was a, bra- a wipe of the brow. It was like a, he was, I think, mimicking Matthew Judon in the NFL. Uh, so I think they took it the wrong way. Um, but either way, Jim Harbaugh acknowledged it. He thought the officiating was a little tight on Saturday. The players agreed. Uh, I think, in, in, you know, you talked to Jalen he, he said that he took responsibilities like that's something, not something I should be doing. I shouldn't be putting myself in that situation to have an opportunity to get flagged. Um, so he took he took responsibility, but I, I think his coach and his players also realized, too, that officiating was a little little tight on Saturday. It
0: was. So it's 10, 10 and a half. Um, And you're wondering, all right, what what's going on? Michigan lost its last time to Indiana. Um, You know, was this was this the trap game that you know some thought it might be? But uh, you know, Michigan forces a punt uh, to start the second half. Gets pinned deep, real deep in its own zone. Uh, I think the drive started on the two, and then there was a false start penalty pushed it back another yard. Um, You know, they face a third and eight like right away. Um, But you know, McCarthy finds Bell, and, and Michigan is off and running. 98 yard touchdown drive and. It's not like there weren't some bumps, you know, McCarthy had his first interception of the season. Um, you know, Michigan Michigan did have a a few punts there, but the bottom line is they outscored Indiana 21-nothing in the second half and when uh yeah, what what went ro- so right for Michigan in that second half.
1: Yeah, that first drive of the of the second half from Michigan is really the turning point. You mentioned them. You know, they got the they start the two right off the bat. They get a full start penalty against Blake Coram. and then two plays later, Cornelius drop Cornelius Johnson drops a wide open mm-hmm. pass. He probably could have went the distance for a touchdown. So there's two negative plays right there in the first three, and you're thinking, "Oh boy, here we go again." Uh, and then they turn the passing game. You know, McCarthy hits Ronnie Bell. He hits Andrew Anthony. We haven't seen a ton this year. Blake Corum rattles off a big a big carry. And then Cornelius Johnson kind of redeemed himself at the end of the drive with the 29-yard touchdown pass. And I I think Michigan found its rhythm again. Um, But, yeah, it was very much a different second half than first. Uh, The defense obviously picked up. They adjusted really well. Um, Indiana punted, I think it was, six straight drives. Um, And then I think their seventh ended up in the turnover and down. So their their defense really adjusted. I mean, they were able to get to the quarterback pretty much all game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, team I-7 sacks, I think 10 TFLs um you know you know Indiana's offensive line isn't great in fact they just fired their offensive line coach yesterday after the game um so obviously they weren't <laughs> playing, playing particularly well in, in, from protection standpoint obviously you, you saw that Michigan was able to get to the quarterback now part of that was because Basilick like, drops back and throws so much i think so the opportunities are there to get those uh, but I think this is very much a game that Michigan needed defensively. You know, we talk about the pass rush. It has improved in the last couple of weeks. But in a way, this is kind of their coming out party. They they played very well. They were able to get to get to base like quite often. Uh, and they really clamped down the second half. And that gave Michigan the opportunity to, you know, obviously not only take the lead, but but pull away. And it was a, it was a tale of two halves. I and mean, they played much better in the second half. They looked a little bit better um, just from a rhythm standpoint. And I, I do think that halftime kind of a refocus, readjustment, uh, you know, was was key.
0: I don't, you know i don't think certainly mission coaches in particular will celebrate uh, you know someone else losing their job but in in a, in a way it is a cruel way it is like a nice feather in your cap that's how good and dominant you were that you you got their offensive line coach fired as you say seven sacks uh, the rushing yards for indiana were were horrible but you know that takes into account those sacks but but without those it was still 18 rushes for 80 yards that's not much and you know Bazelak was right on a season average of 49 pass attempts um you could see how they even they would even try to basically throw four running plays, you know, these these just quick screen passes, just to try to get pick up a few yards and, and take pressure off their their offensive line. Um, so you know, Michigan was tested as we expected, and you know, for the most part, they they held up, and that was that was the difference uh, in, in the game. Um, you know, we thought going in uh, that JJ McCarthy could go off in this game, and in, in a way, he did. I mean, he finishes with twenty eight completions. Uh, 304 yards. Those are both career highs by by a lot. Uh, Three touchdowns. uh, He did have three touchdown passes versus Hawaii. But, you know, in the in the four other games combined, he had three. So this was this was a big step up uh, for him. Um, You know, did have the first interception. But overall, I thought McCarthy was, you know, kind of as productive as we thought he could be he was and, and Jim acknowledged after the game he, he,
1: he seemed to suggest that quarter you know developing quarterbacks like hitting the 300 yard passing mark threshold. I didn't know that was a thing but apparently it is for Jim uh, in, in in JJ's development. So he was very happy with JJ's game uh, decision wise he was he was pretty good. Uh, he did have that one pick his first of the year in fact um, but yeah, he, he was very good, very clean uh, you know when they needed points. Uh, they got him. You know those two touchdown drives. You know, beginning of the, of the game and the beginning of the second half were so important. A lot of those were, uh, you know, able to to happen because of JJ's arm and none of that, but his rushing ability. I mean, we saw his legs a little bit more this week. Uh, four carries for twenty six yards. He picked up a couple of key first downs. Uh, so I think he's starting to kind of come into his own. You know, and he, I think he needed a game like this where he could, um, you know, throw for some yards and and use his legs and kind of play freely, uh, and we saw that. Uh, so it was a very good game. You could probably make the case. Maybe it was his best game of the year. Certainly statistically, it was. Um, so it was it was well well needed. Well, uh, good game. He, you know he's he's really locked in the last couple of weeks. If you look at the stats and the, the in the box scores, you know Ronnie Bell and Luke Schoonmaker are turning into his two reliable options. I mean Ronnie Bell, 11 catches and 14 targets. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker nine catches on 10 targets. So he's he's locking in those two guys, quite a bit. Um, you know I, I think that's obviously a good thing for their passing game. But at the same token, I think I think Michigan would probably prefer another option or two to open up a little bit more. Uh, nonetheless, I mean jJs jj has been very good. Uh, he's you didn't have Roman Wilson in this game. I'll that is true.. That, that is true. Yeah, Roman did not play. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah he was held out did not travel with the team I I don't know how much longer he's going to be out Mm -hmm. Uh, there were reports that he he may have been concussed last week Jim Harbaugh seemed to suggest that last week but I I don't know if that's the case I don't think it was as as drastic as that nonetheless yeah he was without Roman Wilson uh they're you know their big time playmaker I guess so to speak so yeah all all things considered Michigan's passing game you know if I was giving him a grade I'd probably you know a minus or a for sure
0: yeah no but I think you're absolutely right about about his his top targets. And I don't know why not. You've got, you've got your, you know, your number one guy, you've got your big tight end guy. And then when Wilson is out there, you know, he's that speedy slot guy. I mean, I think this team, the, the next step to get to that, their offense is elite, but to get to truly maybe national championship level, it, it, it'd be cloning Ronnie Bell, you know, having a second guy like that, uh, you know, is, is, and some teams do, some teams do. So I'm not, I'm not asking for for too much here. It's, but they, that second guy, because we talked about it last year when Bell went down, who would step up and be that guy, and it just, it never, it never really developed. They didn't need to. They, you know, ended up being a, a really run heavy team. But um, that, that is really the next step for for this team is getting that second guy. But in the meantime, it's clear, you know, McCarthy's gonna gonna lean on the the guys he does trust.
1: Yeah, and uh-huh. speaking of the run game, I'm Blake Coram, another 100 yard rushing game. Now he had twenty, he had you know 25 yard, 25 carries to do it. Another scored another touchdown. I mean, he's I think third in the country right now, and or second in rushing touchdowns. I think top five in, in rushing yards. So he's still near the top of the of the of college football right now. Rushing, they continue to lean on him quite a bit. As I mentioned, twenty five carries. Don Edwards' workload in, in, increased a little bit. Um, seven carries this week. Only got fifteen yards out of it. He really struggled. I, I thought. Um, but yeah, Blake Coram, as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, and, and Michigan's offensive line can keep it together. It sounds like they're going to be without day Jones here, right, to starting right tackle for the next couple of weeks at the least. Um, you know, Michigan, I, I think, is a better offense than it was last year. Yes, the running game was fantastic. Probably was a little bit better last year because they kind of had at least when they were healthy with with Hassan and Blake. Um, now it's kind of a, been a one one guy deal, so, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the the passing game has picked it up. You know, Eric Hall being out hasn't really affected them too much. Luke Schoonmakers picked up. Uh greatly. Ronnie Bell's been kind of what we expected him to be. And then some and the Cornelius Johnson's kind of filled in the cracks, so to speak. So yeah, it would be nice, I think, for have one more um you know breakout receiver. Uh Andrew Anthony's been getting more of a workload the last couple of weeks. Uh we'll see where that goes. Um but yeah, you got you gotta like where, where Michigan's offense is right
0: now. Okay. I want to look ahead a little bit to this Penn State game, but give you an opportunity. Was there anything else from from this Indiana game uh you wanted to mention that we didn't get to yet?
1: Mm, no, I, I thought that – the defense played well. It was interesting. Indiana seemed to be attacking DJ Turner quite a bit early in the mm-hmm. game. He was, he got beat on one long deep pass ball, and then he got flagged for interference. I thought that was interesting. Uh, but now the defense, I think, is getting better. I, I, you know, if you look at the statistics, they're, they're top five almost in every certainly top ten almost every category across the board in college football right now. Top five in points allowed and yards allowed. So this defense is certainly playing eleven man football. I wrote about it earlier today on Live.com, but you know, it was something Jim Harbaugh was touting in the off season. And I thought maybe some of us thought he was, you know, being a little hype, hyperbolic. Um, he thought maybe this defense could, could be better than it was last year he, while acknowledging they don't have the stars. Maybe they had last year that he thought they could play more as more of a cohesive unit. And I think by and large, they've done that, you know, there's six games in I, I granted the competition hasn't been great. Um, they've certainly stepped up to the plate when needed, especially in the second half, it was Maryland game, uh, Iowa, uh, at least in the first half. And then, uh, the second half here against Indiana, certainly a bigger test this coming week. But the uh, defense is playing pretty well.
0: Yeah, so that big test would be in the form of Penn State five and O. They um, you know bouncing back from from a shaky season last year. They're ranked number ten uh, in both major polls. Michigan, as you mentioned, did did fall in the AP poll to five. Uh, they held at four in the coaches poll. I intentionally did not check to see your ballot because I want to just ask you about it here. Did you? Where'd you have Michigan last week, and where'd you have them you know, today? Yeah, I had them five last week. I had them five again this week. I've had
1: them five okay. for a couple of weeks now. I've had, I think, Clemson ahead of them. Uh, I think in a head-to-head matchup. I just think Clemson's probably a little bit more talented team. I was uncertain about this Michigan defense. I'm starting to come around. Um, certainly a win over Penn State on Saturday would probably push me to to p- put them back, probably four, maybe three, depending on what happens ahead of them. But now Michigan's been five now
0: for, for a few weeks. Um, Okay. So yeah, you kept them there. That's fine. Dropping them seemed interesting to me. I mean, Clemson played a a BC, Indiana is better than Boston college, I think. So, or they're comparable. I don't understand how, um, you know, two, you know, lopsided wins, um, you know, equals uh, somehow Michigan, Michigan falls. But again, it's, it's, it's kind of irrelevant when all is said and done. So it's not, it's not a big deal. They, they stay, they stay in the top 10. So we're still calling it a a top 10 matchup because that's what it is. Um, but yeah, but, one yeah. thing on that real quick. If you go back and look at last week's AP
1: poll, um Clemson and Michigan were very close. Yeah. Now, the way that not to get too deep in the weeds here, but <laughs> the folks who turn in ballots, there's a point system assigned depending on where you put a team. Michigan and Clemson were very close from the point perspective. So I guess I didn't look too closely at this week's ballot, but I'm assuming it was pretty close, and Clemson yeah. just jumped them a little bit. Yep. Um, I, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think a lot of voters looked at that Michigan game, especially that first half, and saw them tied 10-10 and were like, what the heck's going on? Uh, so I, I think that's probably part of it. Now, look, Clemson won convincingly. It was a road game. against Again, yeah, you know, Boston College, you, you know, they're neither here nor there. Um, but I, I think that, I really think that first half tie is probably what, uh, swayed some folks with, with changing,
0: uh, their, their ballots this week. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, this, this Penn state team, they couldn't really not run the ball at all. Um, last year is a big problem. So, you know, what did they do? They went in, they went and got the number one running back in the, in the country, uh, as a recruit and, you know, added a, a second freshman who was, it was another four star, um, and yeah their running back their running game has improved greatly as as a result um i mean this one freshman nick Sing- nick singleton uh i mean he's at he's at 7 7.35 yards per carry i mean that's that's significantly better than than even Blake Corum um this year so uh he's been he's been explosive um you know Penn State was very sloppy 2 weeks ago uh against northwestern but still won um they won at auburn um they won a nice uh uh a uh, tough game in the in the Big Ten to open the year um, at Purdue. Um, so and then Ohio and and Central Michigan uh, blowout wins at home are their other two games. They were off last week, so they do have the advantage of the extra week of, of preparation. I guess you know we will talk about this at a later uh, episode leading up to the game. But I guess you know early thoughts on that matchup. No, you hit the nail on the head.
1: Penn State was very one dimensional last year; didn't have any run game at all, so they were forced to throw the ball. And look, when you're relying on Sean Clifford and uh, you know a ragtag group of receivers to get the job done in the Big Ten East, I, you're not going to do it. So I think, yeah, Penn State's found a run game. They're very balanced now. Um, maybe even more importantly, Sean Clifford taking care of the football when he is asked to throw, uh, you know sixty two percent completion percentage, uh, nine touchdowns, just two interceptions. so they're they're taking care of the football and, and defensively. they're they're holding holding down the fort, so uh Penn State's a very balanced team um they're they're not superior grade at anything, but they're good at a lot of things, and I think that's what keeps it's keeping them in the games like Michigan, they haven't really played uh, too difficult of a non conference schedule um actually, they went down Auburn and win one, didn't they yeah, that's yeah. So I guess yeah. that Auburn's you know having somewhat hard. of a down
0: year, but yeah yeah, I think it's similar in, for both teams in that you know they have they have you know impressive you know road wins, but Auburn you know like like Iowa, I mean, they're just they're they're not they're not having a great year. So it's like th- this is certainly the toughest test for football both teams to date.
1: Yeah, it is, and and these this is a, and we'll get into it more later this week. But this is probably a game Michigan should win. Historically, has won. You know, when Michigan has these close games and they're in Ann Arbor, they tend to tend to break toward Michigan. So I, I think it certainly helps that Michigan has return, returned home. Uh, it's it's going to be a noon game. Uh, they're talking, I think May's out at the at the big house. So uh, I think. Uh, we, we talked about coming into the year, these must-win games, these key wins, key, key games. And obviously, we we circled Iowa as being one. Well, it turned out Iowa wasn't as great as maybe we thought they'd be. Uh, and then Penn State, I think, has been a little bit better than some of us have expected. So I, I think this is that next test, probably the biggest test to date. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it, if Michigan can win Saturday, I think it opens the, uh, the gate, so to speak, to them, you know, Running the table the rest of the way, or at least going eleven and zero going into that that finale uh, at Ohio State
0: absolutely michigan gets their buy after this game so before closing with you know michigan state at home at Rutgers, nebraska and illinois at home and then of course at ohio state so yeah i mean just just a huge game to to go into your bye week uh you know before you face uh your rival um your in-state rival that is um you know undefeated so we will see we will have uh you know continued coverage uh, leading up to that game on mlive.com slash wolverines and another podcast episode later this week thanks for listening